Welcome to the first episode of the Tragedy of Time. Um, I had made a podcast about a year ago called An Impending Disaster. Like, um, and I made about 12 episodes. And I think the first episode is still out there. Um, I published a number of them and then, like, using this app, Anchor, which is such an easy way to make a podcast, by the way. All you need is your phone. Um, And it uploads it onto all sorts of platforms for you. Um, And I was really stoked on on making the podcast and just having fun with it like I don't for me I mean it was just an amazing way to be able to relieve stress almost like one of the one of the ways like I'm I'm in recovery recovering alcoholic and and drug addict I guess especially an alcoholic um and there's certain things that just when I'm done, I feel so much more relief than beforehand. And podcasting was one of those things. And uh, I just got so in my head about it. Just reanalyzing every episode, every controversial topic that I would have covered. What are people going to think about my viewpoints? And just torturing myself that I basically just I couldn't take the stress that I was creating in my own mind which um isn't an uncommon theme in a lot of people and a lot of people with addiction that's like one of the usually um is a factor the constant worries and fears and things that are going on in in a person's head and uh i I mean i believe when i started the podcast i'd had some sober time i don't remember because i've i mean i've had sober time and then fallen back and then had sober time and fallen back and not recommended if uh if you're struggling with addiction and you're on the straight and narrow, you don't want to fall back. Trust me, it's only gets worse. It does not get better. Um, and uh, I've been wanting to do another podcast. I, I, I was wanting to get back into my old one, maybe republish some of my older episodes and go from there. But I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a whole different place in my life in ways and in ways not so much. But I just figured why not start a new podcast? And uh, I don't know what email I used and I was not able to get back into it. So 
<laughs> I almost didn't have a choice. I'm still going to try to figure that out because I would like to listen to those older episodes one day. Maybe publish them. I don't know. So other people can listen to them as well. The one episode that I did publish that remained was an episode I made when feeling very, very ill. And honestly, that was kind of part of the reason that prompted me to make a podcast was I was feeling so unwell. Um, that has not gotten better. It's honestly gotten worse. And that is another reason why I'm doing this podcast. Like, I named it The Tragedy of Time because, I mean, even in that time, people that I know have passed away. You know, a lot of them from addiction. Um, and it's nothing short of tragic. And um, my my physical health, things are not feeling good. To put things lightly, my um, my doctors tell me. My doctor has told me. Other doctors have told me that based on the tests that they have done, that I'm okay. And I shouldn't worry. Um, it's, and I I love my 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 family doctor like really really no no nothing bad I could say about him. His for the past six years, I mean not even six years, my whole life um, has been willing to do any tests that I ask, depending on what I thought was going on has helped me has been willing to try to do anything to find why I'm feeling the way I am but I mean at this point I'm pretty sure all medical physicians that I've seen have written things off to it's my anxiety which I do have anxiety and uh, I do have depression and I, and looking back on it, I probably had anxiety most of my life. Um, but it just became really severe once I started feeling ill all the time, which was around the age of 21, 22. The depression started to become really, really pre- prevalent after I sustained a concussion at the age of 21. Um that derailed my plans of fighting it as a career um and so like I just wanted to share a little bit of just my story summarized to start and then I don't know go from there and I've told this story in videos before that I've made that I've published to Facebook um, but like basically it's about my spirituality it's about how I got to where I am um, in life and what I've kind of gone through and what I've been through and what I've kind of put others through as well um, I mean from the time I was about three, four years old, I remember 
um, making a decision to become a Christian. Like, my mom... My mom had a history of alcohol abuse. um, And... I mean, a, a lot of it was before... I came into the picture, or, like, all of it (laughs) was, like, before I came into the picture, and, uh, maybe a little bit after, I I guess, from my understanding, but I never remember my mom being like that, but she, she was broken, she was lost, she, and she, she's open about this, like, it's not like I'm saying things that she wouldn't want anyone to know like she she she's been doing this telling her story for years so uh, and she had a had a spiritual experience and she gave her life to god and to um to jesus i guess um and uh so like i always had some kind of belief in a in a god um and from my experience that was um through Jesus and through Christianity and uh i mean there was a there was a point i i just want to share this story there was a point in my mom's life where she was diagnosed with cancer and uh she was scared and she ended up she I think she was going to lots of different church stuff kind of like believing like she was going to get healed and at a service she felt I what 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 she believed that the spirit of god fell hit her head on a pew like everyone in the church could hear it um went back she she said she i i if i remember correctly it was like a warm sensation and i've heard lots of stories of people um getting healed and it's usually kind of the same it sounds the same a lot of the time wherever the the injury or the sickness or where where wherever it's located it seems like there's a warmth around that area and then things are better um and she went to the doctors and um what she was gonna have to get done didn't have to get done and she ended up being okay um which i just think is kind of cool because i totally believe that god is loving and god does heal like today and has throughout history there's just too many too many people that I know that have shared experiences of praying over people laying hands on somebody praying for their pain their sickness their injury and it doesn't always happen but there's times when people get that sensation and then the pain whatever the injury it's it's better and some people don't believe that I've tried to share that to people and people people will mock you for believing that. But people are afraid of what they don't understand. I don't 
fully understand it. I, I mean, I mean, I've struggled, I guess I would say, with my faith. Um, I've had my, I mean, I had my ups and downs, but once I got really sick, by the way, got really sick after being really close to God, feeling love, feeling peace, feeling joy. And then when I felt I wasn't supposed to go back to drinking, I did and drugs. And in one weekend, uh, my life was radically changed for the worse. And I've never felt good since. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to go back, but I didn't know why. And hindsight is twenty twenty. But like, because I had had a spiritual, spiritual experience at about the age of nineteen that like gave me undeniable faith that there is a God. And it is love, peace, joy, everything that is good, ecstasy, but not like the pills that you pop or the pills that I popped. Not that, not that ecstasy. It's like a whole, a better ecstasy, the way that it was meant to be felt. And, uh, man, cause I was, I was broken at one point in my life, like, Around the age of 19, I, I had a concussion, so what I wanted to do for my career, uh, fighting was off the table, and it had been about, I don't know, eight months, and I would still headaches all the time, still, still get them, still dizzy all the time, and like working out would make it worse, um, and I was just so frustrated, I, I ended up broken, breaking both my hands um, over the girl that at the time I was in love with, and because things not not on her on 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 another guy in a fence that she was kind of with and like it was just like one of the lowest points of my life by far and my mom had told me about this conference called the pursuit conference and she'd been inviting me year after year after year and I said nah I don't need that nah I don't need that at that point it wasn't even like I needed it it was just like what is there to lose like I have nothing. May if God exists, then hopefully I experience something and I don't know, maybe how I don't see my life getting worse going to this thing. So I went. And um during the service they had worship music going and they had people up at the front dancing and singing and lifting their hands and people crying all over like it was like very open very very different than what I was used to seeing I guess at church I like my my what I saw it as is like older people in suits you sat a certain way you talked a certain way you dress I mean everything well it was almost about rules and being this I I just that's why like I I left the church in my teen years. I was like this is not for me. But uh man, I, this ex- the experience that I had and I felt something in my, nothing the only way I can explain it is I felt something in my spirit um 
go to the front, go to the front. And like, I just saw how much fun everyone was having at the front. So I went to the front and then it was raise your hands. And I was nervous, but I raised my hands, my two broken hands with the splints in them. And then it was dance and man, it was one of the best nights of my life that I can only like, and I'm telling you, I've done not that I'm proud of this and I'm not uh, saying you should do this, but I've basically done every drug you can find. Like, it'd be easier to tell you the drugs that I haven't done than I have um, because I like the feeling of the high. I like, I like feeling good. Like that was, I still, still constantly searching to feel good. And I think all of us are. And drugs and alcohol was my place to feel good. So I tried all sorts of different kinds of drugs. And partied a lot. And there was times when I felt good. Don't get me wrong. But the come down. The next day when you're alone. Sobbing. And you don't know why. Or the nights when. I'm hallucinating in my room. And. I'm begging God to not let me die because I took consumed too many drugs. You don't have to deal with that when you don't put those in your body. It was just like pure ecstasy, pure love, pure joy, so beyond anything that I had even experienced. And I've taken a lot of drugs. And that weekend changed my life. Um, it was kind of crazy too because... While that was going on, my Grammy had a stroke. We got out. There was no service in the Kimplex, which is where the conference was being held. We get out, find out that she had had a stroke, get to the hospital. Um, and we go into the emergency and she can't talk. She's trying to talk, but she can't. And it was so heartbreaking to see um i was like okay I, I have to i have to pray and i was so scared to pray out loud but i'd heard stories of people laying hands on people praying and healing happening and i was like what's there to lose uh, like i put my hand on her and this is pre-covid on her arm and i and i tried to pray and I was stuttering myself because I was so afraid to be praying out loud, which is such a weird thing. I'm in a hospital, like, it's just, I don't know why I was so afraid, but I was, but I prayed, and nothing happened instantly. Eventually, we had to leave, but by the next day, she'd regain, like, all, all almost all her strength. She could talk again, um, so, like, was it the praying that did something or was it just she was getting better I believe the praying had something to do with it but and after that weekend I just became hooked on exploring God like I'm like, if this is what God is, then I want more of it. Bible studies, prayer meetings, every day after work. Like, eventually, 
I mean, I, I wasn't working when I had two broken hands, but um, when I got back to work, every day when I'd get back from work, open my Bible, read, throw on worship music, pray, and I was just so filled with peace all the time. And uh, sorry, I got a phone call. Um, so yeah, and I and I remember talking to my friends around that time about how much peace I was experiencing. I'd hang out with them. They'd be drinking. I wouldn't be, cause I was. And they'd be asking me how, like how I just stopped. And I was like, it's God. It's not me. Um, trust me, I. I used to want to drink. I used to want to get high. Like, but this is better than any of that. And some of my friends who are close-minded to spirituality just thought I was absolutely crazy, and they would tell me that I tell me about how I was. Some of my friends that are more open-minded would try to explain the experiences. Um, through energy and how people have different energies and and I mean I'm a pretty open-minded person I'm open it it can be a blessing and a fault uh, open to the possibility that anything is possible which when you're uh, claiming to be a Christian that's kind of hard because Christianity isn't really a like this is what I believe it's not like from my understanding anyways it's not supposed to really be like this this is what i believe but i believe that i could be wrong it's like this is the truth and lately that's what i've been struggling with is like saying this is the truth it's like this is what i believe but i don't know like isn't anything possible i mean and I don't like being in this place, especially when I'm feeling as sick as I am and my mortality is seeming so much more obvious. It's like I want to I wanna be completely all in, believe in Jesus is the way and feel in that peace that I was feeling before. But I've been struggling, and 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 in that time, see, like, what happened was I went back to drinking and using drugs, and I started feeling ill all the time. And I've been, it's been a battle. Life has been a battle for the past seven years. I I've had so many nights where I didn't know how I was gonna make it through that night and be alive the next day, feeling the way I was feeling. So many days just like, I can think of so many memories, so many occasions. And what makes me remember the days is specifically is how ill I felt. Like that's like my indicator of like how I can remember certain days. Like I remember my grandma's funeral. Um, I remember my grandma's funeral and just being, feeling so ill, like I'm like, how am I going to even sit through this service? Like, I want to just lay down. Like, I just, I, I wanted to leave to my car and just lay down. But I was, 
um, carrying the casket. So like, and I, and I just like, just certain events that I just feel like I like things that normal people are not people that aren't dealing with health issues would never even think about or never, ever even notice. Like, cause I try not to complain about it, but I do talk about it. I mean, most people that know me know that I've been dealing with health issues on some degree. I, f- I feel almost a need to bring it up because I feel like it's the only thing that... It's the only thing that I can relate to people of why I am where I am in my life. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain like every day is... A battle. I know it doesn't look like I'm doing much, and I'm not really, especially from a productivity standpoint. I mean, and I've and I went back to work. I I got put on medications that helped me to feel better, um, and I was able to get back to work, and I was able to function again because there was about three months when I first got sick, I could not function until they put me on certain medications. And they're for anxiety. Um, One of them's called clonazepam. It's a benzodiazepine. And, yeah, it helped me to feel better. I still never never felt right. I mean... Every day after work, especially during an eight-hour shift, I would be just exhausted. Some of that probably was to do with the fact that I didn't have the best sleep schedule. Part of that had to do with... Because, like, during that three months, I wasn't really drinking at all because I I felt so sick. I didn't didn't even want to put anything in my body. Once I got back on medication and I felt good enough, (laughs) it was like, okay, I can party again. Which is really, really stupid. Really stupid. I mean... The amount of years, days, weeks, months, whatever, taken off, potentially... That could be taken off my life because I wanted to drink and get high. I don't even want to know. I mean, at this point, I'm basically like believing for a miracle, hoping for a miracle. And I've been hoping for a miracle since the beginning. But as time's gone on, things have been getting worse, not better. And I've been saying that for a long time. I don't know how to explain it because sometimes I have a good day. And I look okay, but then I'm ha- overall having more bad days. And overall, my heart, the thing that I keep going to the doctor saying it's not feeling right. Um, I've even had cardiologists say that there's abnormalities, but uh, that that my heart doesn't... He basically compared it to a car. It doesn't... When a car's driving... And stopping, accelerating, and braking. He said my heart doesn't accelerate like it should and stop like it should. But it's okay. Like, it's something that I can live with. But it has not been getting better. And it's wor- it's worrisome, man. It's like... 
and, and it's not just that I'm worried that I don't have much it's the way that I feel all the time it's like the other day being at um re- I was registering my car my vehicle my jeep and uh I didn't know how I was going to say standing at the clerk and I, I like for, I was up there for like 5 minutes I was feeling so sick and starting to feel so dizzy and just so awful that I was like how am I going to how am I going to continue to stand here for like another 2 minutes like things that people just would never even think about that's everyday life and you know like I'm not trying to say this to like oh I feel bad for me I need pity I'm just trying to like explain what life is like with these chronic health issues and there's tons of people out there that have chronic health issues a ton of people out there that suffer greatly and you know I'll be honest I never thought about sick people before I was sick you know I lived in my own world that where I felt great I was running all the time I was kickboxing I was skateboarding snowboarding doing all the things that I loved I never really thought you don't really and I was young too but you don't really think about like how blessed you truly are to have the ability to do those things until those things are no longer doable or become a lot harder like it's been like seven years of this craziness just immense suffering so many so and it's like at some point you've got to continue to try to live your life you know but I'm just feeling like I don't know how like I I've worked a bit in the past seven years but not much I went back to school I did some upgrading um or seven years what year is it I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think when I stopped working at the hospital that might have been 2016 like the past five years haven't worked a lot I and and part of the issue for sure and that I, I didn't realize how big of an issue it was my alcoholism and my drug addiction. And I didn't even really understand that I was an alcoholic until... I'm, I want to say when I went to treatment or when I went for the first time or went to my first AA meeting. But I still don't think I fully understand. I knew that I shouldn't drink. But I didn't realize that like I couldn't drink. Like, that's kind of what I, my understanding from, like, an alcoholic is, like, to somebody that's maybe just a problem drinker or somebody that shouldn't drink is that, like, the alcoholic, when you drink, it is chaos, a disaster. Something switches in your brain and the substance takes over completely. And that has been me. Man, my, the amount of times I have overdone it and you know like at first when you're young and you're partying with your friends and I'm still working and what it's just like oh it is what it is 
This is what people do. And like I just. I never wanted to have like two or three beers. I always wanted to get drunk. Always. I still. If I were to ever pick up a. Like I don't see the point in having a drink. It's like why why would you do that? Like that's just. The alcohol doesn't taste that good. Like it's. It's the, and that's the alcoholism in me. And it took me like a long time to realize like I can't drink. And it's still something that like once in a while my mind will be like, well, maybe, you know. I mean, I've relapsed a lot of times since being in recovery. Like when I, when I finally went to treatment in 2016... I got the longest chunk of sobriety I'd had in a long time, a few months, and I got a job at a grocery store, and like, and it was difficult, not because of my addiction, but because of how I physically felt. There was, there was many times during a shift, and I, and I was open with them, told them I had some health issues, but there's just days when I like, it was like, how am I going to make it through today? Like, I have no idea how, even a, even a four-hour shift, I'm like, how am I going to make it through? But I would make it through, and I would push through, and I would feel good about myself afterwards. Like, even though it was just a four-hour shift at a grocery store, I knew how much I suffered during that four hours and still put, I still fought through it, like, But, you know, I just never fully dealt with the stuff that was eating at me. The things that would cause me to go out and drink and, like, I ended up, after being three or four months sober, um, coming back to Medicine Hat for a weekend and everyone was drinking and I realized while I was there that I wasn't spiritually as good as I should have been. Like, it had been a while since I drank, but seeing all that booze, I was like, I kind of want to get a buzz. I was living at the treatment center in a sober living facility at the time in Calgary. And, you know, I thought to myself, everyone was asleep and there was a bunch of booze upstairs. And I was like, yeah, one drink, a couple drinks maybe. I'll get a little buzz and I'll go back to sleep. Three days later, three days drinking straight later, I'm in Calgary, supposed to be going back to my treatment center. End up getting kicked out of a bar by myself. Cops send me to a detox center. Meet some guy. Go off with him. Because we're going to go find some drugs. You know, like some random person that I met outside of the detox center. Ended up sleeping in an emergency hospital. Woke up not knowing where my 
phone is, my wallet, my vehicle keys, like, or my vehicle. I had no idea where my vehicle was either. And it's Calgary. Like, I knew it was at a, a Hudson's Bay. Other than that, I didn't know. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> um, I remember going into the treatment center trying to pretend like I was... I just made up some story. I was going to lie, try to lie my way back in so everything would be alright. But that wasn't the case. And I mean, addiction is terrible and it's not just terrible for you it's it's terrible it may be more terrible for everybody around you i mean it's hard on everybody and there's so many people that are struggling with it right now I mean, there always will be. And addiction manifests in all sorts of forms. It's not just drug addiction or alcoholism. It's television, gaming, work. You know, some are obviously exercise. Some are obviously healthier than others. But at the end of the day, when you're using anything to try to escape the way that you're feeling, that's not how you should be living your life. You got to figure out why you're overdoing certain things to find. And like, to me, that's God. Like, I just feel like, especially now, it seems like we, we rely so much on things that we have in our technologies and our and, and which I'm not saying are bad things but it's almost like replace the concept that we need we need God or we need any kind of higher power but at the end of the day man we one one day we're all going to have to face death we're going to have to face Whatever that is. And like. I know there's a lot of people that just. And I and I understand not being religious. Like there's so many like fake televangelists. Man I remember when I was feeling really ill. Not able to sleep. Like having the Christian channel on. And they're selling this holy water. That's supposed to heal you. And it's so obviously a scam. I was disgusted. I'm like, what? Like, I'm not buying this, but I know that there's people that are. And why would the Christian channel support this? I mean, obviously it comes down to money. It's at like 3 in the morning, but like, what? I mean, there's so much corruption within the church. And I'm not saying that like is everybody. But that's what people see. That don't believe in it and I understand why people are skeptical it makes me skeptical 
And I know what that peace and love and joy that I've experienced is like. And it still makes me think, man, there is a lot of corruption. Like, a lot of people don't practice what they preach. And that's why I kind of try not to preach. Because I'm not really practicing right now, which I should be. But I just... I mean, there's no real legitimate, good, legitimately good excuse. I guess I don't want to believe. Not that I don't want to believe in God. Because I always have believed in God and I always will believe in God. Heck, I think I had a near-death experience where I basically saw God. But it's the specific the concept of one way and this is the only way like that seems crazy to me when there's been so many people with so many different beliefs but at the end of the day you have to believe in something and I've just never heard spiritual experiences that are nearly as intense as the ones I've heard through Christianity like I'm like like I said the healings that take place the people that have been drug addicted and broken down like me that go to a conference or go to some kind of church service and immediately their lives are radically changed and no one really can explain it. Like I just, I've heard people have experiences within other religions. Um, I mean, you could say more Mormonism's Christianity, it's kind of like a branch off Catholicism. Um, like Buddhism and stuff like that as well. Like I've heard... But this is where it's a little bit of a disconnect. But I've heard that monks can reach such a, such a point of spiritual enlightenment that they're able to float. Like, I don't know... I've never seen that happen. I'm not saying that I believe that it's true, but I I know what my spiritual experiences have been like and how intense they have been and that people do have spiritual experiences, so who am I to say that it hasn't happened? Like, I don't know. And that's where, to me, it's like, how can it only be one way when there's all these things like... There was these spiritual Chinese medicine practicers that apparently... But again, this is just hearsay. Like, I don't know any per people personally that have had these experiences. Though I, I did read a book about a soccer coach who used to take his players and he himself went to this healer. And she wasn't a Christian. She didn't heal in the name of Jesus, but... He would take send his players there when they had injuries, and they would, they would it wouldn't all they wouldn't all be healed, but they would at least usually always be shorter times. Like they like they would say the injury was gonna take whatever eight weeks, and it would take two weeks instead after she did whatever she did. So like, I believe that that stuff is real, but it's like. How can there only be one way?
But at the end of the day, like, isn't there only truth? There's like, there's, there's truth and then there's uh, not the truth, I guess. There's a lie. Like, I, I don't know. Like, spirituality is something that I will always, I will always have and always on some level practice. I mean, but lately it's been like, I've got a prayer list for a few people. Quickly say prayers, do it all in about 30 seconds. Once a week, maybe listen to a pastor sermon, maybe once a week. Um. Uh, I read my sometimes I'll read my Bible for like two minutes and then I'm like well it's better than nothing and then it's back to whatever I'm doing and it's just like there's such a disconnect I mean go going to an AA meeting once a week or a couple times a week but like not really doing much with my faith and it's just I I don't know it's scary to me that I would be at a point where I'm not doing much with my faith when I believe that I might not have much time it's like kind of an overwhelming thing like I I gotta be taking advantage of this time yet I feel like I'm not it's like I can't I I I don't I don't know there's I know there's some actions that I need to to take within my 12-step program that I'm in that I have been starting to take and that I've kind of taken in the past but that I'm not taking right now but again I'm like I've heard people refute 12-step programs people spiritual people Christian people refute say saying like that's not the way to go the way to go is give it all to God and it's like it's I don't I don't I don't know. I guess I just don't think necessarily that there's just one way. I I've seen people who are obviously change human beings and it's through 12-step programs. It's through but I mean a lot of that has to do with helping other people. And that's something that I want to be doing, but I, I guess I feel like I don't know how right now. I feel like I'm just fighting to stay alive every day. Yet, I know there's more that I could be doing. You know, like... I think about the story of Jesus and 
from my understanding, most historians believe that he existed. So then it becomes... Well, and, and I believe C.S. Lewis talks about this. That he was either the son of God then, according to the, what the Bible says, or he was an absolute lunatic. Because he claimed to be the son of God. He, he claimed to be the way to the Father. Um, be, to be the way to God. And if someone were to come about and lie about that, how dark is... I mean, you know, that's claiming you're basically God. You know, like... The only, the one and the only. Like, if you weren't, that's crazy or dark, you know? Like, maybe a little bit of both. And that people should come to you outside of everything else. Like, so it's like, okay... That that's that's a good point. How have so many people had so many positive experiences from something that didn't exist, or like some people don't believe Jesus exists, or or from somebody that was just a crazy madman? How do these people have these profound spiritual experiences that they cannot explain? But then, <laughs> I, because I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of death and also terrified by it, I listen to people that have had these near-death experiences, people that have apparently seen, and it seems like a lot of them seem to experience some sort of heaven. And they don't all talk about Jesus specifically. Like some of them do say they saw Jesus, but some people just seem like they experience some form of peace. And and then there's a lot of the times it seems to be drug addicts that overdose and they have stories about apparently experiencing hell. And that is one of my biggest, the things, the thing that terrifies me the most, the concept of hell even. And how could there be a loving God that would allow a soul to go to a place, whether it's fire and brimstone or not, of eternal suffering is beyond me and it doesn't make sense. And I, that is honestly the biggest thing that causes me to battle with my faith personally. Like, I don't know how I can believe that. And if that is the case and we do believe that and Christians believe that, why are we not doing way, 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 way more to prevent somebody from going there? And I mean, and that's why people will push, quote unquote, push their religion on you. Is they don't want you to go to a place of eternal suffering. So like, as annoying as it might be if someone's super religious around you, the meaning is like, they don't want your soul to suffer for eternity. So it's like, you got to try to look at somebody else's perspective. My view on it is like, I just want people to feel that peace that I've experienced, that love, that joy. Like, 
I want them to believe that there's something more because it gives per- more purpose and meaning to this life. But it's hard to try to convince someone that there's something more when you're struggling to believe that there's something more. Even though you still might believe there's something more, but you're like, I'm almost believing out of obligation because if I don't believe, I might be going to eternal damnation. Like, it's heavy stuff, man. And then what if... What if it's this is all just some crazy coincidence? I've I've wondered that. Maybe there was just something that happened and we all just came to be. But I I think about that and I think about love and I think about our emotions and how how complex a human is and the human mind and even things like the way to reproduce is through sex which is a pleasurable experience like it's just why is it a pleasurable experience well it's a biological trick to continue to advance life but i think we all know that there's value in life why is there value in life if it's a coincidence and nothing matters i don't believe it is i've i've contemplated could it be of of course you have to contemplate these i've contemplated every i mean i've contemplated there's there's people that believe that we could be basically in the matrix basically that this could be some computer animated it was it was on a joe rogan podcast that i listened to where they were talking about that and talking about how they believed there was like an 8% chance that we're in a simulation. And they started going into the reasonings why. And I was, it freaked me out, man. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh my gosh, some of that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, I, I, I am open to the possibility of anything. But at the end of the day, no matter what I've tried to believe and wanted to believe, it all still comes back to Jesus for me and like who who is he is he the son of god or not like i i still have faith in him and like i might i am probably uh i i have been a walking contradiction to what i believe in i've been a hypocrite i am a hypocrite in a lot of ways because i don't live out the way that i should be living out but i still have that faith and i always will until the day that I'd pass. And like maybe I'll realize that I wasn't right. Maybe I'll realize that I was wrong. Or maybe I won't realize anything because I won't exist. That's a scary thought. And of course I've contemplated that. But when I had my near-death experience... Um, after a night of partying and using drugs, laying in my bed, feeling like my heart was going to stop, trying to wake myself up because I knew that I was going to die if I didn't wake myself up. But it was too late. And it was like my, like I've taken roller coasters and stuff before, but 
it was like my soul was on a roller coaster, but it was like a hundred times faster than any roller coaster. And it felt so, 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 so real, more real than what I'm experiencing right now, where my soul was just sucked through what I don't know, through time. And I guess the only way I could explain it was like there was a yellow glow that I was being pulled towards at this rapid rate and it wasn't my body it was just my spirit and I hit the top the top I reached the light and it was this bright yellow glowing light and I knew that that was God I knew that that was the creator and I knew that what I was doing was wrong I knew that the fact that I'd just been partying and drinking and using cocaine was wrong. And now I was going to have to face the consequences. And there was nothing that I could do. I had no power left at that point. Everything that I thought about, you know, you believe that you have the will to choose. And you do have the will to choose to do what you want. But at at that moment, when I, when I felt like I had died and my soul was being... There was I had no control over what was happening at that point. And then it was like I got this feeling like it wasn't my time. And all of a sudden back in my body sat up heart racing. I mean if I had these experiences and didn't believe in God. In a God like. I think I would be far more crazy than believing the amount of spiritual experiences I've had, I know that there's more than this. But it's like believing in that one thing can be difficult when you see so many different things that seem to be benefiting people. But I know that there's a God. I know that we have souls. I know that this isn't it. And I believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins and that he is the way to the father but sometimes I feel like I don't know I often feel like I don't know I think about all the people that I love and most of them don't have that same faith some of them don't have faith at all And then I'm like, why would I have the answers? What makes me any more special than anyone else? I don't think that I am. I don't know, heavy stuff. I didn't know what I was going to talk about for the first episode. I knew I was going to touch on spirituality, but I didn't know that I was going to get I was going to get that deep into it. But yeah, man, at the end of the day, I just feel like there's not more of an important question than is there a god? And if there is, what is what is that want? You know? I just, I, I, I don't see how there could be anything more important, yet we, me included, kind of put it in the back burner and put everything else in our lives first, and I don't know, it's kind of crazy.
this life is kind of crazy. Everything about it. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the COVID restrictions and some of the new regulations, but I feel like I don't know how I'm going to get too worked up. And I feel like it's already been a fairly heavy podcast. (laughs) I would like to lighten it up a little bit. So I was going to talk about the McGregor vs. Poirier event that happened. I mean, it's always a big deal whenever McGregor fights. And uh, Chandler versus Hooker. I mean, the whole 155-pound lightweight division of the UFC kind of just got flipped upside down on its head there with Khabib leaving as well. Habib. And, man, I I believed that McGregor was going to beat Poirier going into that fight. But I knew that Poirier had a chance. Poirier has been far, far more active than McGregor. McGregor had one fight a year ago against Donald Cerrone that lasted 40 seconds. Someone that has been known to get knocked out. But he did do it in spectacular fashion, so he still looked good. He looked sharp. When he fought Poirier, I had McGregor winning that fight based on his skill set. But I knew Poirier could beat McGregor as well. I mean, Nate Diaz was able to take McGregor out in the second round. And that was because he's tough. He was able to take his shots, tire Connor out, and he was able to choke him out. And it was obvious that other fighters can beat McGregor, but it seemed like they would have to be so tough because to take and I almost I almost want like I it's not that I doubted Poirier's toughness I just maybe overestimated McGregor's offense I just thought poor McGregor like regardless of who won that first round I thought McGregor would hurt Poirier so bad that it would be very hard for him to come back but it was that first round was a lot more even than I thought it would be. And Poirier fought the perfect fight. Got a takedown. So now McGregor's thinking about takedowns instead of just what's going on on the feet. Which he didn't have to do in his first fight against Poirier. Because this was a rematch. A lot of clinching up against the fence. Tiring out McGregor's arms so he doesn't have that same snap to throw that left hand. To throw his punches the same way he would be able to or even his kicks he'd be more fatigued you know like the clinching against the cage and just surviving that first round to me and 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 the leg kicks constant I, i i didn't really see like i i knew that the i knew that leg kicks could be a factor but i didn't know i didn't realize how much they were hurting mcgregor in the fight and i i guess that that was a big reason why he ended up getting lit up but i think when I watch, because um, I I mean I mean I watch everything when it comes to not everything but a lot of things when it comes to anything going on in the UFC, and I watched McGregor get out of his vehicle for his arrival for his fight, and he just did not look 
like he had the same confidence and swagger that he normally would have. And I and at that moment I thought I think Dustin's going to win this fight. Leading up the whole time I had said Connor, but then when I saw McGregor get out, something just seemed off and Dustin Poirier even said it. Connor didn't seem like he had the same aura that he had before. And he felt like he was just fighting another man. He said he got clipped with some left hands. Like, Connor landed some shots. He looked sharp in the first. He won that first round. And Poirier is one of the best lightweights in the world. So that's nothing to like. But Poirier is just grittier, in my opinion. Like, and I I feel like a lot of people in the MMA world would say Poirier is probably grittier than McGregor. I, uh, yeah, that, that second round, when Dustin started to come on, it just seemed like it almost came out of nowhere, because I didn't feel like Connor looked that, I was like, okay, after that first round, I'm like, this is probably going to be a five-round fight. Hard to say, but that was my assumption, and then Dustin just came on, the leg kicks were too much, and I almost felt like Connor gave up. I mean, the guy is worth over a hundred million now. How it's like? How could he have the same, the same passion, the same hunger that he once did? He, he's still an amazingly talented fighter, but when you take so much time off and you've got your mind in all these different business, business things and. I just think when your main focus isn't fighting while you're fighting, you can be in a lot of trouble against somebody whose mind is only in fighting. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. Will, Will McGregor, it, it was kind of sad because it was almost like you realize, it, and even though McGregor had lost, it seemed like on the feet there was no one that could beat him. And... He got beat on the feet, and it almost took away from this. It was almost like it felt like McGregor is maybe done here. Like, after watching him get knocked out, it was almost like this might be the end for him. And it was kind of sad, but at the same time, I was so happy for Dustin because he's such a good dude. He was the underdog in that fight, and, uh, man, it made me, it, it gave me confidence. Like, I was having a rough night not feeling well and I'd ran to my dad's to watch the fights and uh after the fight I was I was pumped it was like you realize that anything is possible and uh I ended up running home I feel like so much faster than I would have just because I was so pumped and I just felt like anything was possible no matter how sick I felt I was gonna run and I was gonna run my butt off because if Dustin can beat Connor then I can beat this whatever this is that I'm going through is what I felt like like it was a sign from God that I, I, I almost took it as a sign from God that it's the underdog's time now and I've felt like I've been fighting for so long like 
like my knockout is coming. But man, I'm having some rough days. I hope that that knockout is coming. I don't really want to get finished. Not yet. I feel like I got too much to do on this earth still. Too much to do that I sh I need to be doing right now. Because the tragedy of time is on this earth. It is limited and can be taken away at any time. And no one wants to think that. No one wants to really think about that. But I think it's something that we have to think about. And just we need to try to prepare ourselves for that moment of when this life is done. Are we going to be happy with the person that we were, with the things that we did? With Are we going to be happy that, you know, we, we decided to search out what spirituality meant to us? Search out God? Are we going to be happy that we just believed what we decided we wanted to believe? Are we going to be are we going to be happy with the legacy that we left behind? Like are we going to be happy with where we were heading in those moments? If your life was to li if your life was to be ended right now, would you be happy with the relationships you have with the with the way that you're living your life or was is there more that you'd want to do and if there's more that you'd want to do we got you got to do it and i mean i i'm talking to myself with this too because this life is short and our it, it's precious and it's valuable and we need to make the most of it i feel like not every episode will be as heavy as this one. <laughs> but who knows. I I love comedy podcasts. My favorite thing in the world to listen to. Comedy podcasts. I love laughing. But I think sometimes we need to get serious. And really think about life. So hopefully... I will be able to do that in the future. As long as I have time. But that is... The tragedy of time. I hope all y'all... Have a good... Day, week, month. I hope that 2021... Is a better year than 2020. It was rocky. But it also, this, this life is also what we make of it. Love each other. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. Seek God. Or don't. It's your life. You have the will to do whatever you want. But think about... At least think about seeking spirituality, seeking God, what that means to you. I'm your host, Derek Bewley Bowles, and I hope you all have a good night.
Bye.